Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And in fine Bond tradition, uh, last week we said that we would be returning with Thunderball. I was However, make that same joke. <laughs> <laughs> However, we've had a slight change of plans. Uh, you may have heard a movie called No Time to Die has come out recently. And we have both finally. Seen, we have both seen it. Yes, finally. In fact, you will be hearing us complain about it not coming out in subsequent episodes. <laughs> yeah, just because we're really bad at podcasting. So, yes. like, uh, the three episodes that we've already released, we recorded over a year ago. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, that, you know, just wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, whatever. Yes. However, for this week's episode, we're going to do a little bit different and just kind of give some. Uh, initial thoughts of the movie. I'm literally just coming back from seeing it, so about an hour ago I left the theater. Uh, and we're going to try to do a bit of spoiler-free conversation first, and then we will let you know when we're going to move into some spoiler territory, because there are spoils that can be spoiled in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple things that happen. Yeah, so to get the ball rolling, we're going to try to be as safe as we can, and if I have to bleep out some some spoilers here and there, we can do that too. It also depends on what you consider to be a spoiler, too, which True. is a whole other thing. Yeah, of course. So you saw this a few days ago. Yeah. How did you leave the theater? What was your thoughts as you walked out? Uh, my first thought was I'm gonna what was that I was going to rewatch uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service that night, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I my thought was that my first really like my first reaction to the movie itself was wow a lot happened in that movie yeah i mean it is the longest vaughn movie yes uh that said i never felt bored really no. i mean i if i'm honest uh at when i when i was more bored when i was rewatching on her Majesty's secret <laughs> service because <laughs> that is also a very long movie because that was the longest up until casino royale came out <laughs> right uh, <laughs> and it's a bit more slower paced than this yeah. one <laughs> Well, it's funny because, you know, this was supposed to be Thunderball, and at one point I we both talk about how there are parts in that movie that are a little bit saggy and slow, and uh, I didn't, I never got that feeling from this one. I, I mean, it's it's definitely a long movie. I'm, I'm also hard-pressed to think of what I would, like, there's not, like, whole sections of the movie that I would, ta I would take out without yeah, damaging no, it. Yeah, no, most everything is necessary for their overall story, mm -hmm. like... I did when I was when I saw it. I did have to make a make a quick bathroom break partway through. Okay, uh, and it turned out I did pick a pretty good de decent time to do it. Um, so like I would say like of the parts that like are less required, mm -hmm. but are still required for the overall story. But like you could you could skip if you needed to like get out of the theater for a bit. Yep. Like the the scenes in Norway before they leave. Yes. But even then, they're still kind of important for the whole, you yeah, know, yeah, story. Uh, they at one point they make a side trip to Cuba, that I guess you could it, almost it, skip that if not for the, you know. Well, there's 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 stuff there. Shit goes down in parts in Cuba that's important. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that, but then, Cuba is a lot of fun. I thought. Oh yeah, no, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Probably almost almost certainly mostly just because of uh of the character of Paloma cuz I yes. thought she was great. Oh, yeah, Anna de Armas was great in that and 
people will probably know her from either or both of the Blade Runner sequel where she plays the AI character, the, the Still hologram. Still have seen that. Oh, okay. She's, she's in that. <laughs> and cool. then also in Knives Out, she was quite yes. good in that too. And you can see a very good. You can see yeah. a bit of that, especially early on when she's playing. Kind of, mm-hmm. there's scenes where she's acting like she's new at this stuff, and and but then, you know, maybe she's not. But who knows? Uh, I think she is new. She's just very well trained. Mm-hmm. But since this was one of her first missions, she was super nervous, which is really all we saw there because she wasn't yeah. incompetent at any point. She was just really nervous. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought she was great. I thought that whole sequence was great. A couple things, just big picture things that I wanted to po- call attention to, uh, just while they're fresh in my mind. Um, so, Kerry Fukunaga was the director of the the film. Uh, he's he's actually the first American to ever direct a Eon released Bond film because Irvin Kershner directed uh, Never Say Never Again. I read um, online that actually they thought of hiring him for either Spectre or Skyfall, and I'm not quite sure, I can't remember which one, but he was definitely on their list anyway. Although, originally they hired Danny Boyle to direct the movie, and... That would have been interesting. Well, so, reading a little bit about the writing history of this, uh, good old Purvis and Wade come back, (laughs) again, (laughs) who have managed to be gainfully employed by the Bond franchise since the the world is not enough. And they wrote something and it wasn't something that when Danny Boyle came on that he liked and he hired another writer and they wrote something and then they had a falling out or they they left the project and Purvis and Wade came back on and uh Carrie Fukunaga's got a has a screenwriting and story credit. And incidentally, he's the only director of the series to have that. And and then I was reading that Paul Haggis did a rewrite, and <laughs> Scott Z. Burns did a rewrite, and and then uh, Daniel Craig asked Phoebe Wallerbridge to come on to do some edits as well. So there's, fascinating. There's a lot of names that have touched the screenplay. Uh, apparently. Daniel Craig wanted Phoebe Waller-Bridge to help with some of the character stuff and some of the humor in the movie. Okay. Uh, you know, nobody well, I mean, nobody breaks the fourth at, wall so and sense. makes a face at the camera like you would expect, like in Fleabag <laughs> or anything like that. But there were there were a few moments that I did chuckle at. That yeah, you know, there's some good humor bits in there. Yeah, no, there were some there were some moments that I thought I thought worked out pretty well. As that's for. You yeah. know, just standard, and you know, there were also the standard Bond one-liners throughout. Of course, film. yeah. I thought the film looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it wasn't yellow like Spectre, <laughs> <laughs> which when we get when you get to Spectre in about a month and a half, you'll we we opine on that one a while. Spoiler: We didn't really like it. We didn't care for Spectre. No. <laughs> if anything, this goes far the other way from the yellow of Spectre, because this one's heavily blue. Yeah. I So I really liked some of the choices that he does. There There's some interesting sound changes that he does at times that I thought were really interesting. Uh, there's There are two scenes in the movie where there's an explosion right in Bond's face, and you get like that 
it's almost like you're in his head where that the sounds ringing in your ears a bit, which I thought was an interesting. I can't recall mm-hmm. ever seeing that happen or hearing that. Yeah, there's effect. a there's a, there's a very that's that's very well done early on yeah. in the film. Yeah, you know this is obviously the last of the Daniel Craig era. This was his him working out his contract and everything. You don't think the story left it open for another one? Um, I mean, there there is a lot of places they could take the story. That's for sure. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you put this? Do you think I hate I hate these like off the cuff ranking things? But I'm not gonna rank it on all the films. I, no, I no, no. I'm just talking about his uh, of his films of the Craig films. Well, probably second. Okay. But only because there's only one Craig film that I truly loved before this one, and mm-hmm. that was Casino Royale. Yeah. I mean, not that I hated all of them either, but yeah. I, I'd say I'd probably list this one under Casino Royale, and then either uh, either Skyfall or Quantum of Solace, and mm-hmm. of course, Last Spectre. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I it would be very hard to top Casino Royale for me. It's probably my yeah. favorite of all of them, <laughs> of all the Bonds. I yeah, I think I would put it second as well, and it's weird to me because in a lot of ways. This movie and Skyfall have the opposite issues, or they're like <laughs> opposite films for me. In that Skyfall, when people think of Skyfall, they're gonna think of the villain. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is not a slight at Remy Malik at all, because I think he does the best he can with what he's given. He's pro- his character is probably the weakest part of this movie for me. Yes. Oh, you th- yes. Remy Malik is definitely the which is. I mean, he's an excellent actor, obviously, yeah. but yes. He's, he's just not given much to do. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk probably specifics in a little bit, but I didn't quite understand why he was doing what he was doing. Or why it took him, like, 20-some years to start doing something. Well, I think he, and this wasn't clear, but I think he had to wait for the virus thing to be developed. I guess. But... Yeah. Still though. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. I, agree. I I agree with you. That was probably was the weakest part. Yeah. So yeah, Rami Malek. I mean, it's not Rami Malek's fault. It's the yeah Lucifer Safin character that just isn't fleshed out in any way. That's really that yeah. interesting at times. Uh, the other thing, and I have to give them a lot of credit, and probably one of the reasons why I I like this movie as much as I did. One of the big problems I had with Spectre one of many problems I had with Spectre, is the idea that Bond falls in love with Madeline Swan mm-hmm. and decides, this is the woman I'm going to go right off into the sunset and stop being a spy for. Uh, that just, it seemed the, like the a... The second time that Craig did that, by the way. Yes. It just seemed like a plot on rails situation where this is where yeah. we have to end up and we're going to go there whether it makes sense or not. And, and again, that's not... I'm not knocking the actor playing Madeline Swan. I think she does a good job in both films. I was nervous as I was realizing how much of the plot of this movie is about their relationship. And at the end, I didn't care. It didn't bother me at all. No, I think it worked a lot better in this movie. That was something that I I found interesting because there's so much of what happens in this movie is because of what happened in Spectre, which as we have discussed i did not enjoy it all no uh but despite that i didn't i was fine with that with all of the like this movie basically wouldn't exist without spectre mm-hmm. 
And I was fine with everything that happened in this movie, even though it was referencing things from a movie I didn't care for. Yeah, and I'm I'm probably not going to rush out and do this, but I am curious about whether I would dislike Spectre as much now. I'm wondering if it is I think, somewhat improved. Although, yeah. my problems with Spectre are more about the plot of Spectre and not, the, <laughs> right. you know... I think a double feature of these two would be, well, a long night, but also <laughs> <laughs> but also would be interesting to do. Well, and, and it's sort of, at least for me, I don't know if you agree with this, but I find that Quantum of Solace works way better when you watch it right after Casino Royale. Yes. And not, you know, two or, two or three years or however long it was between movies. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to do, you know, it's weird actually, because now Skyfall's the odd one out. Mm-hmm. Because it's not related to the overall arc that the other four are. Yeah, I I had the same thought when I was thinking, you know, I asked you to rank them and I was thinking in my head, like, you know, where where do I put these? And, and if not for killing Judy Dench and making Ray Fiennes M, there's really nothing, well, and, and the whole money penny and setting up Q. But there's really nothing in there that you need. Yeah, there are things that are important for the overall Bond plot in Skyfall. Yeah. But the ongoing storyline that they start with Casino Royale and end with this one, that storyline doesn't require anything in Skyfall. No, and and you'd said, oh, Bond, you know, decides to quit the Secret Service and run off with the girl twice. He, He also runs off to an island somewhere... And everyone thinks he's dead and gone twice. Because the beginning of this movie <laughs> is very much like the beginning of Skyfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he's even in the tropics. I mean, the only thing he didn't do in this movie is do that weird thing with the scorpion. <laughs> oh, and he didn't yeah. see Wolf Blitzer on TV either. Yeah, although I, I have to imagine... It, I don't know how much we... we are, or are we now going into spoilers? Uh. Yeah, I mean, why don't we... Uh... We're gonna we're gonna get into spoilers right now, so if you haven't okay. seen the movie yet, this would be a great time to stop listening, go see the movie, and then come back because uh, yeah, we'd we'd hate to be the ones to spoil things for you. Yeah, because otherwise you're going in and you're spending nearly three hours already knowing what happened, and nobody wants yeah, that. nobody wants to do that. So you you've been warned. So Bond dies in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes he does. <laughs> Can't say that I saw that coming. No. Uh, I'm amazed they kept that under wraps. Yeah. One does not simply drive in a car and say, we've got all the time in the world and expect to have a happy ending. Right. Especially in the Bond franchise. And they really drive it home. They play up the, they, they, I mean, you walk out of the theater with Louis Armstrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But yeah, they play that a couple, he says it a couple times, you hear it a few Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. So there was that, but then also you hear the 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 actual On Her Majesty's Secret yes. Service theme music as well. Yeah, in the the scene when he meets M out in the out like out by mm-hmm. the bridge. Yeah, I dug that a lot because that's that's a great theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I've said, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, what I was gonna start to say is I think uh, the, the reason Bond was in Jamaica was because was a. A, uh, homage to Ian Fleming, I think. Probably. 
because that's where he wrote the Bond novels. There, there's a there's a couple in there. I thought uh, they talk about Safin's Garden of Death or mm-hmm. Poison Garden, which actually, I, maybe I'm reaching. It's it's a plot point in the novel of You Only Live Twice, mm. where haven't gotten to that. So one in in the the novel order. You Only Live Twice is the sequel to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. And for reasons, uh, Bond finds himself in Japan, just like in the movie, but it turns out that Blofeld is running a garden of death on an island off of Japan where people go to commit suicide. But yeah, I haven't gotten that far yet. I In my sporadic read-through of the Bond novels, I'm currently in Dr. No. Okay. That one's pretty faithful well the movie is pretty faithful to the book yeah i i i like how the yeah i like how in the movies they made live and let die uh much later than dr no and since they had already killed coral they turned him into coral jr yes (laughs) yes incidentally uh one of one of my favorite things about the You Only Live Twice book, and it's something that I'm surprised they haven't figured out a way of working into the films, is that uh, in Japan, Blofeld is operating under the pseudonym of Dr. Guntram Shatterhand. Well, that's a baller name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think Shatterhand has been rumored to be the title of a couple of the films. I could see it. Yeah. So it's it's also interesting to call a book movie No Time to Die and then have the character die. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So where are they going from this? Yeah, I don't know. Uh... We know they are going doing more. And in fact, if you stay and watch the credits at the end, we get the very familiar James Bond will return. Yes. So not only are they going to be doing more Bond films, but specifically James Bond will return yeah so it's, it's not like uh like it's not like they're gonna do like a, a sequel about you know mi6 where money penny is now you know or double or the new double right and and we i we kind of completely skipped over that and maybe we should have addressed it in the pre-spoiler part uh lashana lynch's character mm-hmm. who is introduced as nomi but then also yeah is 007. Like, I had forgotten her actual name, because after she introduces herself that one time, they only ever refer to her as 007. 007. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't decide if that is intentional as a way of pushing back against all of the people who are whining about the possibility that she would be taking over as the James Bond equivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at the end, she does... She, she's like... she She... Asks M to give 007 back to James Bond, which, okay. She says that, and yet, like, I th- that was just for that one mission anyway, sure. and obviously it doesn't matter now. <laughs> I, I I like the scene towards the middle of the film when they're in, in M's office, and M says he's been reinstated as, double o, as a double O agent, and she just keeps wanting to know what number. Yes. <laughs> I I really liked the, the scene where he goes into MI6, and people keep talk, saying 007 she's like that must bother you and then when yes. M says oh, he only wants to see bond he's like that must bother you yeah 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 <laughs> or oh does that bother you uh, yeah oh who does that bother you i i got a i liked um i got a feeling um there's a scene in the first season of star trek picard mm-hmm. when 
Picard goes to Starfleet headquarters. And yes. the guy at the desk doesn't know who he is. Yes. And then there's a very similar scene here with Bond goes to MI6. He's like, your name? He's like, Bond. Bond. James, James Bond. Bond. And the yes. guy's just like, okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then the next scene, you see him with a giant visitor badge, just like in mm-hmm. Picard. Yep. <laughs> there, we got our Star Trek reference in there. That's great. I also thought the very final scene in M's office was reminiscent of the scene in Star Trek Nemesis when they're remembering data. Yeah, when they do this the 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 toast and and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe because it was already a 2 hour and 40 something minute movie, they didn't, <laughs> but I expected more of a epilogue. Mm. I like I was fine with how they ended. Yeah, no, it, no, no. I I, I'm that. fine with I I really liked uh, when Madeline's like his name was Bond, James Bond. Yeah, that was that yeah. was great. No, I have uh, no problem with that at all. Oh, and speaking of M's office, I do want to mention how cool it is that there were portraits of Bernard Lee, Robert Brown, and Judy. Yes, there. I love that. Like, uh, the Ju- uh, you know, you first see Judy Dench, you're like, oh, that's cool, and that makes sense, mm-hmm. like in universe we know. But then when you see the others, like, oh yeah, that's just a great yeah. Touch. I thought maybe it was Bernard Lee, and then when they showed the 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 Robert Brown one, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I get what they're doing. Also, he M has had uh, padding on both sides of his door again. Yes. Only one door, though. <laughs> Only one door, but it does have padding it on does. both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember if it had padding on both sides in the last film or not, but I know it has not always. <laughs> uh, no, sometimes it has, like, bad faux leather on it. Sometimes it's just a wooden door. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we can hypothesize about future of the franchise towards the end. Uh, mm-hmm. They also killed off Felix and Blofeld. Yeah, and Felix didn't even ma- matter for the plot. He just dies. Yes. Blofeld, at least, his death was part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I, I was... saw that coming a mile away when she oh. grabbed her wrists. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, Felix... Felix's death pissed me off, though. Yeah. Especially because you don't really see it coming. It looks like he's gonna... They're gonna... It looks like they're gonna, like, you know, figure it out and get out, and then, yeah, he just drowns. Yeah. I I've said, I think I said this in Quantum of Solace, and I probably said this in, in Skyfall because he's not in Skyfall, but why do you cast Jeffrey Wright and then not use Jeffrey Wright? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's fine... What he's given is it's okay, but I I found it very just unceremonious of them to just kill him like that, and to be killed by Logan Ash of all people. My God. Yeah. Although, speaking of Logan Ash, uh, one I love the joke when they they said he said something like "Where did you find the Mormon?" or something like that, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. But I like the the homage, at least I think it's an homage to. Uh, for your eyes only when he drops the car on him. <laughs> yes. Cuz that 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 seemed to me to be a callback for when he pushes when Roger Moore kicks the car off the cliff. Cuz he's he's lying there and the car is about to fall on him and he just throws it down. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. So okay, Blofeld. Uh <laughs> I liked him more in this movie. Yes. Partly because he was in it a lot less. Uh <laughs> <laughs> What's up with the uh, insane asylum automat thing? 
<laughs> yeah, I was wondering about how many people are in there. That like no. you press C six and you get Blofeld. You press like D five and you get you know. I mean, they someone else. It's I mean, like, I will give them just... credit for. I was like. Oh man, they're gonna do the Silence of the Lambs like walk down the hallway, aren't they? But but then they have this weird like box contraption thing that they bring Blofeld to them, which yep, I'm like that's a little over engineering, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so they do all that, but they couldn't figure out that he had a secret eye transmitter. Oh, the secret eye transmitter. <laughs> that's the one time where the one liner didn't land for me. Mm. So there's a guy. What, the the henchman I guess of the of the piece has a bionic eye that has been used to transmit back to Blofeld, and this is another thing I saw coming a mile away when he had the the watch with the EMP in it. Oh yeah. So he's struggling with with the guy with the bionic eye, and he sets off the EMP, and his eyeball explodes and kills him. And why it, would it make it explode? It it wouldn't. They don't work that way. No, it would stop working. He wouldn't. But it wouldn't explode. Although I I was thinking the watch was going to be the way that they stop the virus because mm. it's nanobots. Yeah. So oh, that yeah. also doesn't the fact that it can never be stopped. Yeah. Is does not make sense to me. No. They may not have a way at this time to be able to stop it, but surely that's something that could it be feasibly be done at some point. Yes. In fact, this is one of the plot holes on IMDb. and it's funny because my thought wasn't even about the nanobots it was about how does his earpiece continue to work i also wondered (laughs) that (laughs) well it's probably been hardened yeah maybe but yes i wondered about that myself but yeah i mean the the guy's eye explodes and i did like bond's first because he gets two lines and that's what's the overkill for me because i like the line when he says oh i had to show somebody my watch Mm mm-hmm which I thought was funny, and then he said it blew his mind, which I thought, okay, that's that's lame. <laughs> no, I was fine with that. It was it was very Roger Moore-esque. It, it, it was definitely Roger Moore-esque. Uh, yeah, no, I was fine with that. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, also, speaking of technology, I was <laughs> glad to see that Q has finally learned to use a sandbox computer. Yes. Well, I th- and I thought they were setting up a different joke when he said, do you know where that's been? And I'm like, isn't that the thing he swallowed at the beginning of the movie? And it's like, you have no idea what it's gone through to get here. <laughs> I, I appreciated the very, if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it line about how Q is having a boyfriend come over for dinner. Yes. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has hairless cats and Bond says, you know. You the, know these they, come they, with they, fur now? Yeah, they come with fur now. <laughs> Yes. Why does I'm jumping around here because again I apologize because I just saw this so it's just like no, random things that are coming to mind. Why does Rami Malek save Madeline Swan at the beginning of the movie? I think he just felt he felt like he like he had wanted to kill her, but then like he couldn't let her just die in front of him like that. I guess. Okay. Uh, I but I loved how you think Madeline is like completely helpless, and then she just. Fires a bunch of shots right into his chest. Yep, you get Chekhov's gun again. Mm-hmm. But I no, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm confused about how old Lucifer is versus Madeline. Yes, because he clearly is Rami Malek at the beginning of the movie when Madeline is a child, mm-hmm. and then we you know fast forward to 
present day and Madeline is an adult of some age <laughs> and Lucifer still looks like Remy Malik. Yeah, in real life, Remy Malik is four years older than Leia Sado. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because her father was sent to kill the Safin family for reasons that aren't really made clear. I mean, the family of poisoners, I guess, or something that yeah. didn't really make sense. And he was poisoned as a young child and, and blah, blah, blah. But how old is he when he goes after, tries to get revenge and goes and tries to kill Mr. White, even though he's not there? And it's... I mean, I guess the idea is he was probably pretty young there, maybe yeah. like late teens, early 20s. Maybe. Because you never see uh, his face. Right. Well, you, you don't see most of it anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And I think in the present day part of the movie, I think you're supposed to figure that he's older than Remy Malik is actually, and Leia Sado might be slightly younger okay. than she is in the movie. Although, if you make her much younger, then you've got a, you know, you've got a Roger Moore situation going on. <laughs> Roger, Roger Moore and BB, the skater situation going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because she's 36. Mm-hmm. The actress, okay. I mean. So, yeah, and, you know, Daniel Craig is, what? Okay, he's only 53. For some reason, I thought he was older than that. No. He's only 53. Well, he still looks looks younger than 39-year-old Sean Connery. He looks much younger (laughs) than 39-year-old Sean Connery. Which is a comment you'll... Listeners will understand in about two weeks. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Most people look younger than 39-year-old Sean Connery. This is true. 45-year-old Sean Connery looked younger than 39-year-old Sean Connery. Yeah, that's also true. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm sorry. James Bond is 53. Daniel Craig is uh, also 53. Oh, he's he's 51. Yeah, no, 68. Well, 53 now. Oh, okay. But I guess when they filmed it, he was 51. (laughs) Right, okay. I'm sure you caught the gun barrel uh, homage in that one scene in the t- in the tunnels, mm-hmm. where I always I'm wondering like, did they build that? And then they said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I like speaking of homages. I like how at the very beginning of the credits, you see the like the the colored dots like from Doctor No. Yeah. And I thought the song was fine. It was a Billie Eilish song. Yeah. Uh. I I don't dislike Billie Eilish. I'm just kind of okay. It was fine. Yeah. It's it's no Skyfall. I don't even remember the one from Quantum of Solace, so it's probably at least as good as that one. No, it's better than that one. <laughs> you, you you forgot the the Jack White Alicia Keys thing? Completely. Yeah. I I have no for, memory of it. For the best. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I think I think it was fine. It wasn't like amazing, but it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It's better than the one from Die Another Day. Yeah, also not hard. <laughs> yeah. So, where do we go from here? Where do you? Who knows? Where... I have no idea. Mm-hmm. They're clearly coming back. They're clearly coming back with another James Bond film. Yep. But what are they gonna reinvent the story again? 
Is that going to be the thing now? Does each actor get their own completely separate arc? Maybe, but I hope not. I think it's interesting that when you're when we look back at the various actors to have played Bond and their various tenures and things, like the Daniel Craig is going to be like this self-contained thing, mm-hmm. where he's the first one, and I and I lamented this when we talked about Spectre because I didn't care for it and I don't think it's necessary and I still don't really think it's necessary, but he's the only Bond that changes over the course of his film. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's there's clearly an arc here where you, 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 Casino Royale, he's this almost machine-like psychopath. I always think of the scene when he comes back to the beach and, and that woman, the guy's wife, is murdered, strangled on the beach and M's like I would ask you if you could remain emotionally detached. But I don't think that's your problem, is it, Bond? No. You know, like just be detached and and by the end of this movie he's saying, you know, he's admitting that he loves Madeline multiple times. Uh, you know, he finds out he has a daughter, which we didn't even talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. We have not mentioned the daughter at all. Yeah. Matilde. Matilda, yeah, who's named after her mother, mm-hmm. uh, who we see very briefly in the beginning as a rather sad drunk, basically. Yes. Um, I, I like the fact that he went back and rescued the stuffed rabbit, although I'm sad it got blown up with him. It's like the teddy bear in Star Trek Generation. Yes! <laughs> there you go, work in Star Trek again. Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> I mean, my guess is, and and what I really would like to see is all these other ancillary parts stay the same. I like Ben Wishaw's Q. I like mm-hmm. Naomi Harris's uh, Money Penny, and and I and I think Ray Fiennes is perfect as M. Yes. I I wish they would let they would stop using M more than they should be using M. It wasn't. I mean, he stays in the office most of the time in this movie, which I prefer than you know in Spectre when he's out running ops with them and stuff. I, I don't think that's a great or proper use of the the role, but I I like seeing him in that role. And I mean I could see them doing something along the lines they did with Daniel Craig where they just kept Judy Dench as M. Went from there. Yes. And didn't even bother to explain it. It was fine. Yeah. So yeah, no, I would love them to I would love to see the existing characters stay on. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just interesting. Like are they going to, like, try to make it the same thing? Or, like, in the same continuity? Or are they going to do something completely different? I want, I just wonder. I mean, I don't need another origin story. Right. But I would be very happy if they just went back to standalone, self-contained films that don't connect. Because unlike the Daniel Craig films, you can watch a Roger Moore movie in pretty much any order you want, and it's not going to affect anything other than his age uh, <laughs> but you know you can watch moonraker without having seen live and let die and it's not going to affect your ability to follow the story you can watch any of them without having seen octopussy which is honestly how i would recommend it. <laughs> yes i mean maybe to their detriment they managed to even make it so that you didn't have to know that bond was married the previous film to watch diamonds are forever but i would also be I would also say you could just watch any of them without watching that. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. But yeah, my, I mean, my hope is just they will find another James Bond actor. My my 
favorite right now would be David Ajala from I think Star that's Trek, awesome. from yes. Star Trek Discovery. I would love to see him play the role. Was it you that had somebody uh, responding to you saying that James Bond should be a British guy, not David Ajala? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, last time I checked, he was. I mean, I wouldn't mind going back in time five or a little more years and seeing the Idris Elba version, but... I think Chiwetel Ejiofor would also be a good choice. That would be interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I agree that I think Idris Elba is probably too old. Yeah, but every time if you close your eyes and listen to David Ajala, it sounds a little bit like Idris Elba. So, yeah, I mean they have very similar accents and everything. It's called British. I'm, well, I know that... there are multiple British accents. I'm just being yeah a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I I can't identify the different British accents, but. No. That's because I, I can that's because I'm American. Like I can tell that they are different. Yeah. Uh and like I can tell the difference between like a posh accent and a not and mm-hmm. like a but yeah, no, not I can and I can tell the difference between Scottish and English. Yes. Uh I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> I mean if you don't, they'll tell you. Yeah. Because neither would ever want to be mistaken for the other. <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, do do you have are you on board with this? kind of one-off thing do you want to see an arc an, a second arc with somebody else or i think we probably will get an arc of some yeah. kind just because that's how movies work these days mm-hmm. uh i don't i'm not sure how they do it but i don't want them to just abandon this continuity okay you mean story but continuity that... or character continuity certainly character but even if they could figure out how to do it with the same story uh-huh. that would be cool too what bond is either not dead or he's a code name thing or something, yeah. Yeah. I've never been a fan of the Bond as a code name explanation, but it seems like it's a you know a solution in search of a problem, where or or you know back when they were gonna do, when they got George Lazenby and they were gonna say, oh Bond had plastic surgery and that's why he looks different. <laughs> but I'm glad they never went that route. And I could I would be happy seeing a spinoff with. Uh, the new 007 and Paloma teaming up. Yes, I, I definitely think <laughs> I whatever they do, Paloma needs to come back. Yeah, I would watch that. Because Anna de Armas was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, she's she's certainly somebody that I am always interested to see what she's going to be doing next. Because I've really enjoyed the, the three main, bi- I mean, she's done other things, but, you know, the, the three big films that I've seen her in so far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Oh, and Tanner needs to come back because who doesn't need Rory? Yes, I would. I love to see Tanner yeah. again. But yeah, it's very. I'm very interested to see uh, where this goes. I, I, I'd be more than happy to see Carrie uh, Fukunaga get another chance to do a Bond film. I think he did a mm-hmm. really good job. Yeah, and like I was saying, I would probably rank this second of the uh, Craig era. So yeah. like probably. So I would say yeah, Fukunaga. Yeah, I, he did the best Bond film. Uh, set in the last like fifteen years, so yeah. So two of them. <laughs> <laughs> there, there have been four in yeah, the last know, fifteen years, but yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's our just our off the top of our head thoughts on. So did has did Craig have the longest in years tenure as Bond? Yeah, I mean Moore had more movies. 
uh, so did Connery, mm-hmm. but uh, but they were you know coming out like clockwork back in those days, right. like every year. So, any other thoughts on No Time to Die before we wrap this up? And uh, in the early scene here, after he gets a after the Spectre attacks him at Vesper's grave, yeah. and they're banging on the window to break into his car. Mm-hmm. At the point where it starts to break and pieces of glass are falling mm-hmm. in the inside of the car, I'm sorry, there's no more structural integrity. <laughs> They're through. Yeah. They're not still banging on the window at that point. No, no. Nothing is holding that window in place at that point. No, I agree. Which, I, I, I should say, I liked that scene where Bond is essentially saying, I need you to tell me what's going on, and I'm or I'm not driving the car. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, so it's all built up that that Madeline has this big secret, and mm-hmm. you know that's why she's she hasn't told Bond this thing, and then Blofeld says, "Oh, it's going to destroy your world," blah blah blah. And it, her secret is just that she had this run in with Rami Malek, right? Yeah. I mean that that I think so. that was a bit of a anticlimactic reveal, I think. Especially since we well, already saw it. That she also had a daughter. That was a secret. Yeah, but I don't think that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Although, I, I wouldn't surprise me if that's what Blofeld was really talking about. So, did you think, when they're driving when they're driving in Norway before they run off the road, mm-hmm. when Mathilde like, looks at her arm and asks her mother if mosquitoes have friends, did you think that meant she had just gotten poisoned? Yes. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Because I'm like, they're talking about mosquitoes a lot. And when she said, do mosquitoes have friends, I thought it meant that she had a second one. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, there was the first mosquito bite, and then she's like, do mosquitoes have friends? I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was, she's been poisoned. And then, no, that was just a line to, like, show that she was a kid, mm-hmm. being a kid. I do like that her, when, when she says she doesn't, oh, she, she, she says, oh, I don't think they do. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it. I was sure that was going to be Chekhov's mosquito bite. So, okay. I. I need to complain about something here. Uh, <laughs> DNA. <laughs> in a text file. It would be a very big text file. So, yeah. Uh. Just for fun, I looked it up. It says, if you have a gram of DNA, which is a lot, a gram of DNA could potentially hold up to 455 exabytes of data. How much DNA, but like, how much unique DNA does a person have? Do they have a gram's worth? Uh, no. Well, maybe, it's not unique. Because every strand of, every cell's DNA is the same. Right, so how much data does one person's DNA take up? So, funny you should ask. Uh, (laughs) If you sequence the entire human genome into a text file and read it out as the Mm -hmm. four base pair letters, A, C, Mm -hmm. G, and T, uh, it's about 700 megabytes. Okay, and when you figure, you can compress that if you're doing multiple people because the majority of it's going to be the same for every person, so you only have to save the differences. Mm -hmm. Right. But, I mean, the ability to... Because, again, something we completely overlooked is the MacGuffin of the movie, which is 
this virus or nanobot thing that infects your body and can kill you, but only if it's because it's programmed to a specific DNA sequence, which is kind of cool. Reminds me of the nanites from Star Trek, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe this is why it works the way it does, actually. Because what they find out is that this scientist guy, either intentionally or not, has, instead of it being person-specific, it actually would also affect anyone who's a, an offspring or a relative of that mm -hmm. person. Which, that's not going to come up later. So I don't, I don't know like what percent of the DNA sequence you would need to have to be specific to that lineage of people. But yeah, it, it, I just, it just says, you know, I looked it up and it says that there's about, there's about 3 billion base pairs in a person's DNA, which is equivalent to about 700 megabytes of information if you put it into a text file. Okay. But, I mean, there were a lot of text files on that little flash drive. Right, but again, like, if you're saving the individual text files, again, you don't need to say each person's doesn't have to be 700 megabytes. Mm-hmm. Because you can just save the differences and then compare it to them to you know whichever one you designated as the master file. You couldn't do it with text files, but you could do that with like a database. Yeah. Uh, there, there would be a way to save that information on the computer without using that much space for every person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure how logical this actually is because in addition to it being how do you, my understanding is that you know people who are related will have similar DNA, but it won't be the similar the same way for everyone that you're related to. It'll be different similarities taken from different parts of the DNA. Right. In the same way that, you know, when two parents have two kids, those two kids could have very different DNA. Because mm -hmm. one could have gotten a lot from, the, from one parent, and one could have gotten a lot from another. I mean, it's another cool, like, hand-wavy concept that... Yeah. Again, is a little on the nose for right now, <laughs> but yeah, I can see why they wanted to delay this a couple yeah. during the pandemic. Uh... <laughs> so okay, so they're they're we find out on this island they're making a buttload of this stuff because they're gonna apparently wipe out a lot of people. It almost gets into like you know into eugenics and stuff. Oh, it totally does, uh, especially. Because Q mentions that they can do that, yeah. and then the, the and then the Russian doctor goes like straight up racist when mm -hmm. he's talking to 007 before he dies. Yeah, but my question is then, what's in that water stuff that dissolves you? Yeah, and what are those suits made out of <laughs> yeah. that it protects them? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did like the moment where she, you know, he he essentially is like, "We're going to eliminate all of your race," and then. She, She's she, like, you know what time it is? It's time, time to, to die. die. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I mean, it, it does make me wonder why we've been dragging this guy around for the entire movie. but Yeah. So I think I've talked about more or less everything that I... Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, we'll... If I see it a second time, it'll there'll be more things to, to talk about. Uh, I mean, we could at some point in the future do a regular episode Yeah, I was this. thinking maybe we should do that once it comes out and we can watch it. Yeah. And... and you know, walk through it and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that that would be fun, but I think that you know we've got our initial thoughts out, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, and you know we'll be back to our regular programming where we really will bring you Thunderball next week. Uh, <laughs> it will strike like Thunderball. Yes, it will. 
think you said that last time. <laughs> Actually, I know you said it last time because I listened to it again. What can I say? I'm consistent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back, and James Bond will return in some form or another. And uh... All right. Well, thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel. Or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. License to Spiel will return for real this time with Thunderball. Nothing more.